Sinister Edition of But Have You Heard About Conspiracy Theory Edition, But Spooky Time. As always, I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm joined by Matt. Yo. Last time we talked about the Fox Sisters who were up in New York. This time we're going to stay in New York and talk about the most haunted house in America. Do you know what I'm talking about, Matt? The Amityville Horror House. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, apparently, while the movie and the book are based on quote-unquote true events... There's still a lot of speculation if anything really happened. Mm. So, just to give some background info on this. In 1975, 23-year-old Ronnie DeFeo went room to room murdering his parents and four brothers and sisters by shooting them in the beds that they were in. And less than a year later, George and Kathy Lutz moved into the house and paid $80,000 for this big house. I think it was like on Long Island, New York. Mm. $80,000 for a house. Sounds pretty effing amazing, even for the 70s. Oh, the 70s, okay. But even then, that's still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they moved in less than a year after murders. True. So, I mean, you got to contend with that. Supposedly, they talked it over with their children before they moved in. Everybody was on board and cool with living in a house where murders just happened. Sounds like a hill house to me. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. So, after they decided to move in, the day they moved in, they had a priest come in and bless the house. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I think anytime somebody moves into a new place, you should get sage just to kind of get whatever bad juju might have been there before. safe than sorry, I suppose. Yeah. Well, supposedly some stuff happened with the priest when he was there. His hands started bleeding. Crazy stuff. According to the Lutzes, this is mm-hmm. not from the priest. Right. Well, supposedly the father, George, woke up every day at 3.15 in the morning. He could never get warm and the fireplace was constantly on. So this is October. And I would think... It gets in, cold in New York. In yeah. And maybe the central heating is just, like, you guys don't, I don't know. I don't know what that house was like. Maybe the heating just wasn't there, and it wasn't good. And so he constantly was always cold. He would wake up at 3.15 in the morning, which supposedly was when Ronnie murdered his family, and he would just have these visions. He just freaking himself out. Yeah, and, he's, like, and he swore that he laid awake in bed and couldn't move, which sounds like sleep paralysis, because he had consciousness around him, and he swore he saw his wife in bed next to him levitating, as well as hearing the beds of his children upstairs um, slamming against, like, the walls or the floor. Kids just jumping on beds, and uh, I did it. I did it, too. I mean, not at 3 in the morning, but, you know. You don't know. It doesn't matter. So, anyways, after 28 days, they fled the house. They left everything in the refrigerator. They left the clothes in the closet. They ran away, all of them. Like, legit fled. Legit fled. So word spread of this, I don't want to call it a phenomenon, but this whole story. Right. And a reporter by the name of Laura Dito gathered psychic researchers to evaluate the family's claims. Because these paranormal investigators were like, yo, I want to go. And it's the 70s, so you obviously don't have all these shows or whatnot. Ghostbusters were new, right? No, Ghostbusters were not yet. That was the 80s. This was the 70s. We're still little. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Where's the proton little packs weren't invented yet. No proton packs yet. <laughs> so the reporter, Laura, described it as a psychic slumber party. And some of the psychics commented on the fact that they had overwhelming feeling of horrible depression upon being in the house. So they had feelings of it being sad. But also, if you're a psychic and you are a medium and you believe in that, literally there was a murder yeah. less than a year. There were murders mm-hmm. less than a year before. So that would make a lot of sense. That's like... Walking around in a dark, unfamiliar place and being like, oh, man, I'm getting some bad feelings. Like, of course you're going to feel that way because you're in a, a creepy location. Like, yeah. You're inherently going to feel weirded out even if you don't believe in that crap. Exactly. If you're just a, a mildly afraid of the dark, you're going to feel weird. So these guys that are like high 
you know, believing in spirit mediums or whatever. Yeah. You got like bad juju or something like that. That's so besides that, there was only one thing out of the whole night that they were there that they could technically say had any sort of claim. And it was that there was a photo that was captured and that was the only thing that was out of the ordinary. And supposedly it has a face of what appeared to be a little boy peering out from one of the bedrooms. Again, I didn't familiarize myself as much with the murders of that Ronnie DeVio did, but I thought his brothers were a little bit old. Like I thought his siblings were closer in age and not necessarily childlike, but who knows where the, that ghost could have come from if you want to say that. Yeah, but seeing a face in a photo doesn't mean like people see Jesus on toast. And- right. So maybe they're like, look at the spirit you can see peering out. So anyways, that's it. That's all they got. Out of all the psychics that had the slumber party at the house. Right, it was just uh, spine tingling and goofy vibes that they felt, except for this one photo that was not conclusive in my opinion. Yeah, like they didn't really get any recordings, nothing, and they couldn't necessarily back up the claims by the Lutz family who said that everything crazy happened. Right. With like starting day one. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, day one stuff. So going along with this, the Lutzes met with DeFeo's lawyer. He's like His name is Weber. And they wanted to talk about it because Weber's going to trial for DiPio. And he's like, you know, they're trying the case as though he pled um, guilty by reason of insanity. So Ronnie's over here like, I killed my family because I heard voices. Uh, They just found him guilty, not reason of insanity or anything. They found him guilty and sentenced him to six years life in prison. Six six, life sentences. Six life sentences? Yes. Jeez. Yeah. For murdering your family. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. So the lawyer is over here trying to be like, look, if we can actually show that there was paranormal events happening and you're over here telling me it happened, let's get together. So supposedly when the Lutz family came over to Weber's house and they were talking, everything started very tame, very mild saying, yeah, there was like some noises and stuff, but they drank apparently bottles of wine. And by the Mm. end of this conversation, they had come up with like a horror story. So they're like shit faced and like, Coming up with bullcrap, basically. Yeah. And they were, like, thinking of different ways to write a horror story about this and how they can make it scarier than it was. Wait, they were, like, storyboarding a, a, a spooky book and freak themselves out? Well, not freaking themselves out. They were just, like, how can we make this scarier than oh, it is? Oh, I see. They're trying so, to fluff the story that they already had. Yeah. I gotcha. So when Weber was like, look, let's write this story together, but let's share some of the earnings of this book with Ronnie, who's in prison. <laughs> and the Lutz family was like, no, nah, we can do that. So by this time, they had moved out to California together and they found an author named Jay Anson and they agreed on a book project with that author. Basically, I would say the rest is history there because they created the popular six million copy book. However, Anson received all the money from the book and movie deal because the contract was never signed between the Lutz family and Anson. And the Lutz family only received $300,000 for, I don't know, what I would consider to be millions of dollars worth of royalties. Right for this movie, as well as those millions of copies of this book that was sold. Sound like they got fucking hoodwinked, but, I mean, they were playing everybody for a fiddle as well. Karma, maybe? I don't know. We can call it karma. So, let's go back to Weber. Because he's over here like, I still want to write a book. Between the Lutzes and Weber, they all say that that 28 days that they stayed in the house was totally true, totally real, and what they said was factual. And that nothing was made up even though they took to liberty trying to figure out demonic ways to be like, like we found green gelatin on the floor. It must be oozed from a demon versus it could have just been drippings from an air conditioning vent. Mm-hmm. 
apparently a medium comes to the house with Weber and says that the house was built on Indian grounds, Native American tribe grounds, of course, and that a an Indian war chief was upset and that he was causing everything that was happening. However, the local tribe the spokesperson, I believe his name is straight air Cooper at the time was like, no, this is not, we would never be like this. This would not, there was nothing here. There's no reason for this. So he got called out by natives. That's hilarious. Yeah. And so there's been people who visited the house that are like, we can't find anything to back up the account that the Lutzes had. Right let alone Ronnie's account of being, you know, be, having these voices tell him what to do. But yeah, so I honestly did not know it was considered that much of a hoax versus, you know. Right, what's uh, in reality and what's just storytelling? Yeah, even Ronnie wound up telling um, Primetime when he did an interview with them that he lied about hearing the voices commanding to kill him because only wanted to create a better insanity plea. In the end, we really don't know who was telling the truth or not, whether the Lutzes made all this up or maybe they did hear spooky things. Right. Because murders did happen. And if you believe in spirits of any kind, then yeah, there's a good possibility. I'm not going to stay in a haunted, like in a house where murders literally just happened. I wouldn't mind, not mind, like I wouldn't mind living here. But like, let's say that somebody, you know, passed away from a stroke in a house. That Mm -hmm. wouldn't bother me. Mm -hmm. But if somebody committed suicide, I don't think I could do it. Just too weirded out. Yeah. Like, I would need a lot of sage and juju stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is why we don't own a house right now. I'm scared. But they have to tell us in Texas, so. What, people died in the house? Yeah, I can't remember. I think it's like five owners. Huh. So, but yeah. So, any final words on Amityville Horror? I didn't know that it was even real, to be honest with you. I thought it was just some made-up bullcrap that was uh, really just a good story. It is a good story. A ghosty story to tell. But apparently there's some... There's some fact to it. It was a real thing, a real place. There was a real murder. And a real murder and speculation of ghosts, but it's probably just drunk people <laughs> making shit up. <laughs> I don't know it was drunk people, but I definitely would say, you know, you might have heard, you know, rapping on the door, but really it was I mean, a how old, outside. How old was the house? Oh, I don't how know. It was old. Hmm. Probably. Yeah. So you didn't know it was real? Nope. I don't think I knew it was real, but I definitely enjoyed reading about the history and knowing that there really was murders there. Mm. I mean, I don't feel comfort knowing there was murders, but I enjoy reading the historical aspects of the story. Gotcha. Yeah. And with that, that is the end of our second spooky October edition of, but have you heard about conspiracy theory edition? As always, I'm your host, Courtney, and this is Matt. Yep. And we hope that you have a fabulous rest of your day. Spooktacular. Bye. Bye.